Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, we are talking with Seth Swanson, professional trail runner for the North Face, based in Missoula, Montana, preparing for the 2022 UTMB. Before we get started, though, this episode is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition. Gnarly is a sports nutrition company based here in my hometown of Salt Lake City, Utah. I use their tropical orange-flavored Fuel 2.0 drink mix on workout days and long runs, and I use their chocolate-flavored plant protein powder in my post-run recovery shakes, as well as mixed into my oatmeal at breakfast on most days. If you're interested in trying Gnarly or you're already a customer and you want a good deal for being a single-track listener, use code SINGLETRACK20 to get 20% off your next order at checkout on their website. Seth Swanson, it's great to meet and it's great to have you on the Single Track Podcast. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Nice to meet you as well. I was telling you offline, I want to talk ultra running history for a second. I was just looking through your race resume over the years and I think you logged perhaps the greatest ever Western States UTMB double back in 2015. So you ran second at Western States and then you ran fourth at UTMB. You just narrowly missed out on that podium spot. I think it was the David Laney. If you reflect back on that summer of racing and training, what were you doing um, that summer? And maybe just that year in general to make success possible at both races, because a lot of athletes at your level of the sport try to do this. It's typically elusive. They're typically unsuccessful, Um, but you did it. So what was your playbook? Yeah. Well, well, first off, I mean, I'm not, I've never, never been much of a, you know, sports stats fanboy of any, of any sort, uh, <laughs> growing up. I, I, I do know this one and pretty sure that Killian did win both Western and UTMB in the year. And then Timmy Olsen was first. And then I think fourth UTMB. So those guys yeah. definitely secured themselves as you know obviously legends but uh, just to set the record straight but still regardless it's good company to be in it's the third sure. best it's the third best at least it, for an american it's the second best it's pretty decent yeah yeah uh but back to your question i think you know i, I think things are really just kind of clicking that year um um i'm not uh a heavy racer by any means never really have been um probably more so in my my earlier years running i wouldn't say younger because i never really was a young runner um but in 2015 after western so i i think that year i ran sean o'brien um and lake sonoma which were, it was all part of the uh montreal ultra cup and that was still right. a thing we're, you know, dating ourselves here, but, um, and then Western, of course, but I think what really helped me was this kind of a, is a totally different nut to crack UTMB from Western. And so I just kind of, it was a complete mind, mind shift. And so coming from Western where, you know, training leading into that, just kind of doing a bunch of like faster paced, really rentable terrain, things like that just kind of shifted gears to like just heavy hiking really. And I think that was helpful for, you know, both mental and physical monotony, breaking that up and keeping things interesting and fresh and going into, you know, dipping into not necessarily new terrain, but just different kind of training grounds. And, um, 
I mean, my volume was never really that big. Uh, you know, I was, I was working, I have a family, and so it's never really that big. And so um, I think that was really what helped me the most, I guess. But in all honesty, but after that, I was wrecked. I was totally wrecked, you know, as, as you can imagine. I mean, I, don't, I can't speak for T- Tim Olson, but maybe he was too. But um, it definitely took a toll. I mean, it's not for the... I mean, those are two really hard races, two very different races, but incredibly yeah. challenging. And obviously there's a lot of folks that do it, but um, I, I mean, I don't know how Francois did back-to-back hard rock UTMB. That's insane. I know. I know. Well, I'm going to have to go back and analyze the fields in Tim Olson. Was, was the year that Tim Olson did it? It was 2012 or 2013? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I think maybe what? 2013. Again, horrible, horrible fan I boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's terrible I sports like, fan. <laughs> I feel like the sport, I feel like that race, you Timby in particular, only gets more competitive each year. So yeah, if it's, if it's not, right. if it's not, you guys are neck and neck. But um, okay, one more bit. I actually had Mike Foote on the show about six or seven months ago, and he, he pulled an interesting stat out that uh, Missoula as a trail town has the highest number of podium or top 10 finishes among American males compared to any other trail running town in America, like you know, Marin County area, Salt Lake City, Seattle, you name it. And I guess my question is, what makes Missoula such a great place to train for this race? First, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd request Foot to provide some references for that stat. <laughs> Second, <laughs> um, you, you know, I don't know. That's a tough one because, you know, looking at Missoula, it's it's really not a great training ground for for a race like UTMB and uh, and a lot of. Um, kind of European races in general. Um, when I first went to Chamonix, it was in 2015, you know, stepped off the plane, you know, metaphorical plane in Chamonix and just blown away by just the dramatic landscape. I mean, it is just so steep. It's like, holy shit, what did I get myself right. into, you know? Um, I mean, Missoula has great proximity to just endless trails, like right out of town. I mean, quite literally right out my back door is just miles and miles of of trails. It's really fortunate for that. But we don't necessarily have that dramatic relief in in topography. Um, And so, you know, I've always thought places in the U.S. like, yeah, maybe in your neck of the woods, you know, where you have much higher, greater sustained climbs or access to those or places like the North Cascades where not necessarily Mm. high elevation, but there's a huge, you know, Delta in relief, you know, there's a huge climbs that you can get. And that's kind of that, how would I always kind of envisioned, you know, that's where, you know, the real training ground is for races like UTMB. But I guess maybe it is just the, maybe something to just that proximity and just, having that easy access where, you know, it can take away other stressors for trying to, you know, put more effort into just getting to a run, you know, does that make sense? I don't know. Of course. Of course. Well, one last question before we dive into the race at hand, I'm curious because five, six, seven years ago, uh, you were right there, like at the very top of our sport in terms of like the best American male athletes you're putting up 
the best finishes and some of the most important races. Where are you at with the sport right now from a, from a competitive standpoint and training standpoint? Like obviously, you know, with the one key difference being that you're older now, that's um, true. <laughs> how, how are things different? And you're, cause you're still putting up great results. I mean, we'll talk in a second. Like you just finished seventh at TDS last year and there were some competitive Americans in that race like Tyler Green. So, um, yeah, where are you at? Like, how do you think about the sport from like a competitive standpoint? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a tough question, right? And you know, it always digs into some, you know, personal reflection, right? It's like where where do you belong? But I mean, quite frankly, yeah, I am older. And uh, you know, I gosh, I work sixty plus hours a week sometimes. Um, and I have a family that is active and you know, so there's a lot of other, you know, things, you know, tugging at the string of, you know, energy. And, you know, so I try to stay in it for the right reasons. Um, and so I, I truly still enjoy it. I, I truly, you know, still want to get out there and race and try to run hard. And maybe I, I you know, won't be as fast as I was, you know, seven, eight years ago when, Maybe I was running faster, but, but that's, you know, that happens. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think right now just, you know, I'm not ready to necessarily quit or hang it up. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's still, you know, some races I'd still like to get to, and it's getting harder and harder to get to those start lines each year. Um, but yeah, I'm still excited by it. I love the community. Um, and you get to go to some, have the unique opportunity to go to some pretty amazing places, um, mm-hmm. whether that's through training or, you know, races or what have you. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question. but No, it does. And actually, I'm curious, given that you have all these other competing responsibilities and opportunities in life, have you been someone that's always gotten by on relatively low volume in, in training? Like, are you somebody that doesn't need much of a stimulus over the long term to uh to perform at your best well i mean that's a difficult question right um you know that's that's just by the nature of things it's what i've what i've done just because um you know dipping too far into you know greater volumes it just you know there was you know pushback either you know physically or you know, other things would, you know, would, would be, you know, at a sacrifice of more hours on the trail, if you will. I mean, that's, um, <laughs> I do, I do actually like being around my kids and my family. So, um, you know, so I would typically run, you know, early in the morning. I, you know, run, you know, 5 a.m. in the morning so I can get that done before going to work and be able to spend time with the family on the weekends or what have you. And, um, but it's still, yeah, it's, it's demanding. And I've never really, I've got into running late, so I don't really know what bigger volume is. I think the most I've ever run in a week was probably during a race week when I run out of the miles. Um, <laughs> but in training, I I think I've maybe cracked 100 miles maybe once or twice. I'm not trying to like, you know, it's, it's, it's not like a, a bragging sort of thing. It's just that that is my, you know, capacity. And, you yeah. know, anymore, it's, it's going to be, you know... Um, yeah, counterproductive, if you will. And, you know, maybe even less now, but I, I try to tell myself that, well, I'm on my feet, you know, at work, maybe, you know, 
or whatever, like eight to 10 hours a day. So if it's, it's all about time on your feet, right? So I can, maybe I can make up for that. Let's talk about TDS. Uh, sure. I, at least on paper, and just from my perspective, you had a great race last year. You finished seventh overall. Like I said, there were strong Americans in that field, strong Europeans in that field. Yeah. Um, what makes you want to return this time to UTMB? Um, well, I've wanted to go back to UTMB, um, for a, a while for was since 2015. Um, and so I've always had that in the back of my mind. I've always wanted to get back there and just, yeah, there's other things that have come up and, uh, 2016 was a tough year. So I had plans on going back and just, you know, things life, life happens and it just didn't work out. And, um, and for whatever reason, yeah, I just, just wanted to try something different. So yeah, signed up for TDS last year. And I think, um, you know, coming out of, you know, weird pandemic years, just didn't really know how fit I was or, or mm. whatnot. It seemed like a, yeah, uh, better race than, than UTB. And, but at TDS, yeah, it was a, it was a great race. It was, um, yeah, obviously super, super challenging and difficult. And, um, you know, of course there was, uh, you know, there was, a the Czech runner who lost his life, which was super sad. And, um, you know, which made it kind of, you know, obviously difficult at the finish line because there really mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, at least for the runner's perspective, necessarily public information until the very end. And so it was, you know, it was bittersweet, you know, when you cross yeah. the finish line, it's like, you know, you're, you're really, you know, obviously pumped for yourself and excited and, and wanted to embrace that and the hope, you know, everybody, you know, the town is all out there, but you know, there's this, this dark cloud of, you know, the true reality of what happened. And so, you know, it's, you just hope that, yeah, whatever this person, whoever this person was, that this is truly what they enjoyed and, you know, that the, mm community of running or ultra running, whatever can, you know, step up and um, support, you know, those that were left behind as friends and family, but kind of uh, took a little turn to the left there, but um, no, it's fine. Back to TDS. What are, what are the motivations for returning? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, it's a, just a really inspiring race um, to either, you know, spectate or to be a part of it's, you know, it's a big granddaddy of, of ultra running. And it's just such an iconic race of, you know, circumnavigating, circumnavigating anything is just kind of a, just a cool, um, aesthetic, um, you know, routes, if you will. And, you know, traveling through three different, um, you know, countries and, you know, just blown away when I was there in 2015 that you're, you know, cresting a pass in the middle of the night and there's just people out there just cheering. You're like, wow, this is, yeah, these people live for this. So cool. And, um, you know, it's, yeah, you even said it yourself. It's more and more competitive. It's gotten more and more competitive every year, which, um, which is cool to be a part of. Not necessarily, you know, I may not necessarily be way up to the front, but that's okay. I mean, just to be part of that, that culture, that experience and take it in and just hope that I can piece together a good day for myself that I'm proud of and I enjoy and and this year I have my entire family out. Well, my, my wife and kids will be out there. So, um, yeah, hopefully it's a good experience for them too. 
how are you feeling at this point in time compared to this same time last year heading into the race from like a fitness standpoint, mindset standpoint, confidence standpoint? <laughs> uh, yeah, those are, sorry, I, I don't mean to laugh. It's yeah, I'm, I'm not sometimes not the best at like self-reflection. Um, Oh no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, you know, the years are fluid and I don't really feel like there's many years that are, that are the same. And, you know, we, there's a lot that changes from year to year, but um, so last year I had started a new job right before the race, maybe, you know, uh, in July of last year. So taking out kind of those, you know, awkward and like just, you know, weird steps of being, you know, new to a, a, a new company, a new role, whatever. Um, and it was an added level of stress and uh, feeling the greater obligation to maybe, you know, put more time into work, what have you. Um, that's all gone. Now I just put more time into work. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, I, I feel good. I feel in a good place. Maybe, um, you know, not super sharp. I think probably if you ask everyone, you know, most people would probably say they would wish they would have done some more, more training or it's always hindsight, but, um, yeah. you know, I feel like I did what I could with, um, you know, the, the, what I have. And so we'll see. I'm pumped to go. I'm excited to go. So that's a good thing. Well, uh, I gotta say again, as a fan of the sport, I'm excited to watch your race unfold. Uh, I actually, I was there last year, had a chance to watch the finish. I think it's a super cool scene. TDS is a super cool race. And, uh, yeah, this interview has reminded me, I probably need to hire some fact checkers because I've been known to <laughs> cobble together some outlandish statistics that aren't actually based in reality, but still needless to say what you did in 2015 <laughs> was insane. Thanks, um, appreciate it. But seriously, it's, it's been awesome to have you on the show. Uh, last question I have for you, we have some gearheads in the audience and I think you're sponsored by North face. And so yeah, what so. are you wearing for shoes on race day? Uh, so my shoe of choice is, uh, the flight vective. Um, okay. So that's their, the trail model with the, the carbon plate. If that triggers any, uh, memories for folks, but yeah, it's a great shoe. Um, you know, I'm really, really excited that, yeah. North Face has, you know, been working really hard on piecing together some trail shoes over the years. And this one's really, you know, getting some traction, no pun intended. Um, yeah. And it's, I like it a lot. It's great. So it works. Cool. Well, Seth, awesome to meet. Thanks for doing this interview. And we will be following a couple weeks from now. Great. Thanks so much, man. Nice to meet you.